0: Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Good evening, River of Life. So glad that you're here. We're going to, in just a moment, we will dismiss the break line. But before we do that, I want to take just a moment and I want to thank everyone who came out yesterday to help with the block party. We had an amazing time. It was incredible to see all of, yes. It was incredible to see all of the kids that came onto the campus that were able to come into this room. It was all set up to give away backpacks and school supplies. Love, love, love watching kids walk through, go to bounce houses, and they've got their little new backpacks on their back, and they've got measured for shoes. And so we gave almost 200 backpacks full of school supplies away yesterday. And uh, same amount for school shoes. So it was incredible to watch. Um, but having said that, before we dismiss the brake liners, as soon as this video that we're about to play is done, I'll let you go. But I just want to thank Katrina because she put this together in very little time. She took these pictures, most of them, and then she put this video together for us to watch today. So watch this. Breakliners, you are dismissed. And I just want to say to those of you who are watching in Star Valley, Wyoming, your block party is this Thursday. And so make sure that you talk to Zeb and Stacy and figure out what the needs are. But we are sending a team down uh, to come and help you with that. They'll be bringing you some inflatables and the games and all of those things. And so we're super excited for your first ever block party. And I know you're ready to give out some school supplies to kids. So amen. Isn't that exciting to see? So thank you again for those of you who helped out. I just appreciate that so much. I love being a part of a church family that understands the idea of reaching into the community and making a difference. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, I want to take a moment before we jump into the Word, and I just want to mention to you that uh, today is a weird day for me. This weekend is a little bit weird because it is my last day here for six weeks as I'm going on sabbatical. Um, I see, some of you don't know if you should cheer with that or you shouldn't cheer with that. And I'm mixed as well, because I don't know what you're cheering for, is that I won't be here for six weeks. Um, uh, but I do want to say this to you. Make sure that you are at church during those six weeks. We have incredible people lined up. I, I was thinking about it the other day and how blessed we are as a church, that we've made relationships with some of the people that we're going to have come and, and fill this pulpit while, we're, while I'm gone. And I just want you to know that I take this very seriously. This is, this is uh, God has charged me with, with being responsible for, for who stands behind this. And so we did not take it lightly. Uh, we have lots of people that we can draw from, but we said, we prayed about it and really feel like God is bringing Rod and Val, who will be here from Florida next week and the week after that. You're going to love them. They are from South Africa, and so they are, they've got a great accent, even if you... Even if you don't like their preaching, you're just gonna love their accent. No, he's he's great. And then and then they're gonna be a youth takeover weekend. And then Jonathan Martinez is coming from Long Beach, and then Dwayne Gabert is coming from Edmonton because Canada is finally opening back up. We think, Amen. Um, and so uh, I just I wanna I wanna thank you in advance for just being faithful and being here. And I'm believing that this isn't going to be a time of shrinking back, but this is going to be a time of launching forward, that when I come back, I'm going to be excited to see. You'll be excited to see, hopefully, what God's done in me, and I'll be excited to see what God's done in you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to, I have just a, uh, a sermon that I want to preach before uh, I, I leave you for six weeks, and it is called The King's Table. And so I want to give you a little bit of a backstory. Um, For those of you who are familiar with the Old Testament, you're you're familiar with David and and the stories of David. Saul was a guy who was anointed to be king of Israel, and so God had had placed this mantle on him to be the king. And and when Saul started, he was doing a great job, and as time went on, Saul began to kind of... um, Look to himself instead of look to God. Let's just put it that way. And so God says, I'm going to anoint the next king. And, he, and there's this whole story that's amazing. But, but out of all these brothers, God chooses the runt of the family and chooses David. And he anoints him to be the next king. Now, David has some time that he has to wait. But in the middle of that, there's some different things that take place. One of which is, David, um, we know the story. Of, even if you're not maybe even from church, you're familiar with the story of David and Goliath. And that's this moment where Saul figures out who David is, and so he allows him to come and kind of start being a part of his kingdom and and what's going on. And, And so David grows as a warrior and becomes very popular with the people. And eventually what happens is Saul becomes jealous of David, and in the middle of him being jealous with David, he begins to do things to try and kill David, So there's stories where David is in the the king's court and he's playing the harp, trying to to make the king happy. And and there's a particular story where Saul takes and he throws a spear at David and tries to kill him. And so David flees and he spends time in the wilderness. He has opportunity to where he could take Saul out. He has people who are willing to, to follow him and to take the kingdom and he chooses not to. And in the middle of that, he becomes best friends with Saul's son, Jonathan, and so they, uh, they, are, they are kindred spirits and Jonathan becomes his armor bearer and they're super close. And so I want to give you a little bit of that backstory because the story that we're going to read today actually takes place quite a bit after that. And it's when David has been already appointed to be king and his kingdom has been firmly established. And so we see in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, it says this, one day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone whom I can show kindness... For Jonathan's sake. He summoned a man named Zeba, who had, who had been, in, uh, been one of Saul's servants. Are you Zeba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am Zeba, replied, he replied. The king then asked, Is anyone still alive in Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Zeba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked, in Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Makar and Emil. So David sent for him and brought brought him from Makir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. See, what you want to do if you're going to leave for six weeks is you want to pick a story with a lot of obscure names (laughs) that you're going to have to read over and over and over again. So I just thought, hey, this one sounds like the exact story that I should share with you this weekend. Um, and so, uh, so David said, uh, now I lost my place here. So David sent for him and brought him from Akir's home. His name was M- M- Mephibosheth. Uh, we'll just call him Matt. Um, <laughs> he was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Matt. I can say it, Mephibosheth. Turn to your neighbor and say Mephibosheth. You all did pretty dang good, actually. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's, your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land and give him the produce and, and produce food for the master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king. I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table, like one of the king's own sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants, and Mephibosheth I'm doing pretty good with that. you got to admit, that's pretty dang good. Who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem, and ate regularly at the king's table. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments, as we look at your word, I praise you, God, because you love us so much. And you have such amazing plans for us. And God, I know that there are people in this room who are in all different places in their faith journey. Some who have come into this room today are are on the verge of just trying to figure out what this is all about. And God, I pray that you'll speak to them today. God, for those who are watching in Star Valley, Wyoming, we praise you, God, for what you're doing there. And I pray, God, that, that through the technology, God, that your word would not return void, but that, God, it would penetrate even the hardest of hearts. And for those who are watching in Malawi, God, we're so grateful because you're you are amazing, God, and you have incredible plans and dreams. And, and Lord, as this is our first week back in the jail, God, we are so grateful. And so, Lord, I pray that those will, who will hear your word today, that, God, they will understand that it is for them and that they will hear your voice. And we praise you for that. So, God, we just ask that in these next few moments you'll illuminate what you need us to see, and we give you all the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want us to look at this for just a moment because David had made a promise to Jonathan and Jonathan was the son of Saul and Saul was the enemy of David. And so I want you to grab that for a moment because this is such an incredible story. David is now king and and as he's talking about it, he doesn't just say, is there any heir of Jonathan? But he says, is there an heir of Saul? And Saul was this guy who was trying to kill him. And he says, because I want to do something kind for his heir. Now, now David didn't have to do this. He, had, he, is, he is fully king, and and now Saul is is has passed away and Jonathan has since passed away. And so, but in this moment, the king who is firmly in control is looking to show kindness to a house of his former enemy. And David in this moment had total control. I was as I was looking at this, Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 says this. Once we were all alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present, uh, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move From the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So I want to look at this for a moment because prior to accepting Christ, we are enemies of God. Bible tells us that. So now we can see a picture of the king of kings showing kindness to us even while we were his enemies. See, you're hearing this right, that our evil actions made us enemies of God. And grace is the thing that sets us, sets us straight, right? God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die on a cross so that you and I, even though we don't deserve it, there's not one of us in the room. And you may think, man, I've lived a pretty, pretty good life, especially compared to the person sitting next to me at church today. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter how good your life is, if you've sinned at all, you don't deserve him. But it's by his grace that we have access. It's because of his amazing love for us that we have the ability to be called not enemies anymore, but be called sons and daughters of the Most High King. And so he extends his his compassion, his great compassion, and his mercy towards us. But let us never mistake that for weakness. Because sometimes what can happen is we get so wrapped up in this grace message that it almost seems like God is so desperate for friends, that he'll, do, he'll let you just walk all over him. How many of you ever had that friend in junior high, right? Maybe you were that friend in junior high, right? Like whatever the people wanted, you would just do so that you could have friendship, so you could have somebody that would, that would let you be with them or hang out with them. And sometimes the grace message, what we can do is we can actually make God seem weak. Like he is so desperate that, we, that no matter what you do, he'll just, he, he just puts up with it. I'm just going to put up with it because I just love you so much and I just need you. So, so don't leave me, right? God is not weak and he's not desperate. He does love you, however, and he does have great plans for you. But we've got to be mindful of this because, because God's love for us is not weakness. It's actually, it's actually just he has such incredible grace and so, and, so, and, and so much love for you that we can't even comprehend it. So to sum it up, God has every right to take us out. And we need to be reminded of that sometimes. There isn't one of us that deserves his love. Without reconciliation through Christ, we are enemies of God. But because he loves you, he not only justifies you, but he provides a means so that you are no longer an enemy, but you become a child. So a covenant was made between God the Father and God the Son when Jesus stretched his arms out on Calvary. And when we place our faith in Christ, we become part of that covenant, similar to the covenant that David had made with Jonathan. And now that extends to Mephibosheth. And so we are beneficiary, beneficiaries of that covenant that God made with Jesus. So look at this, uh, as, D, as David has called for this young man, he has shown him kindness why? Not because of anything that Mephibosheth has done. He never even met him before, but because of something Jonathan had done, right? So for us, it's not because of anything we've done. It's because of what Jesus has done. And sometimes we can lose sight of that because this story is really not about us. It's about him. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3, it says that the king asked, Is there anyone left? Uh, from the family of Saul, to whom I can show godly kindness, and Ziba told the king, "Yes, Jonathan's son, who is lame in both feet." So I want to tell you a little bit of backstory as to why he was lame in both feet. If we if we go back a few chapters to 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, it says this: Jonathan's son of Saul had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled. But as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. So I want to look at this for just a moment because I think there's something that we can get from this. So he wasn't born crippled. He was in the middle of what was going on. All of a sudden, they get word that that Saul and Jonathan had died. And so the, the lady that's taking care of him says, I got to pick him up and we've got to run to exile. We've got to get out of here before the enemy comes. And so in the moment of of this story, I think there's something that's important. Someone who was charged with caring for Mephibosheth drops him. And maybe someone in your life has dropped you as well. Maybe someone in your life has dropped you and left you crippled in some way. Maybe you've experienced sexual abuse and it's crippled you. Maybe you have emotional scars. Someone who should have held you up has let you down. Maybe a parent has left you, or a husband or a wife has left you, or maybe someone who was supposed to be there is not there. And so you feel less than. You feel crippled. You feel as though you don't have everything that you need in order to succeed. You ever watch how people who get dropped will often drop others? We say it this way, hurt people hurt people, right? People who have been hurt will often end up continuing the cycle. They'll hurt someone else. People who have been dropped will often drop someone else. They they don't know any better. Are they out of that hurt or out of that pain? That cycle of dropping continues. But when your parents have dropped you or your friends have dropped you or when a religious institution has dropped you, can I tell you, God will pick you up. Your dysfunction doesn't have to define your destiny. The thing, that, the thing that happened when you got dropped doesn't define who you are. It doesn't change the way that God sees you. He sees you right the way that you are, and he loves you. Now I want to look at this story again because there's something else that I think we can learn from it. This, this, this person that's supposed to take care of him picks him up, and she's running. Where's she running? She's running to exile. She's running to hiding. She takes him to a place called Lodabar. It's a city in Manasseh, and, and the name means no pasture. It also can be translated as no word or no communication. And God's promise to us in Psalm 30, or 23 verse 2 is that we are to be in green pastures, So pasture is defined as a place where there is is greenery. There is a place for, for cattle, for livestock to eat, to find food, to find nourishment. That's what a pasture is. And Lodabar literally means no pasture, and it means no word. So as we look at this story, what we need to understand is that this place, Lodabar, means no word, which is the spiritual food that we eat is the word of God. And so there's no spiritual food in Lodabar. So God tells us that we are to rest in the freshness and abundance of his word. But when we let fear drive us to Lodabar, we get to a place where we don't find rest anymore. So many of you sit in this room today or are watching online and you've come to a place where you have, you've allowed fear to come into your life. You've allowed the, the things to send you to exile the fact that you've been dropped, the fact that that life hasn't gone the way that you thought it should go, and so you've allowed yourself to be exiled from the pasture. You've allowed yourself to go to a place where there isn't any spiritual food. And I see this all the time when I watch people walk through hard seasons in their life. They begin to exile themselves to a place where now all of a sudden they go, I don't know where God is. I don't hear from him anymore. Well, it's because you've exiled yourself. Because God is always speaking. We've been talking about that in the series that we just came out of, this series of the getaway where we go and we spend time specifically. And I love hearing from many of you have told me, hey, this week I went and I found space. I spent time. I dug in. Whatever that looks like for you. But what I want you to understand is whatever's going on in your life, you don't have to live in exile. The king is calling. Maybe you find yourself in the Lodabar of an an addiction of some sort or the Lodabar of bitterness or the Lodabar of religion or the Lodabar of cultural consequence or political correctness. And I want you to know that God has not called you to live there. God is looking for you. But not only does he find you, he takes you even though you may feel crippled and he carries you. Mephibosheth was crippled, and he needed to be carried. As I was thinking about this story, I was thinking about the idea that so many of us have have come to a place where we have been dropped by someone. Someone in our life has let us down. Something in our life maybe has let you down. You've had a relationship that that has gone south. You've had... Again, maybe, you, maybe it's as, as serious as, as you were abused as a child. And because of that, you feel broken. And you feel like there's no way you will ever be the same as anyone else. You'll never have what they have. You'll never experience what they experience. You will never be able to be seen in the same light as anyone else. And I'm telling you, that is such a lie from the enemy. Because though someone else dropped you, guess what? It wasn't his fault that he got dropped and some of you need to hear that today. Because for many of you, you get to a place where you take on the responsibility for what's taken place inside of you. When when your parent has left or your spouse has, has moved on or whatever that looks like for you, you begin to take responsibility and you begin to say, it's my fault and I'm not good enough and I'll never be good enough and I just have to live this existence. And it's such a lie because now you've exiled yourself to a place called Lodabar where there is no hope. It's all about being away from everything Else, and so you live in this confined space that God's never wanted you to live in. We are all crippled by a condition that we call sin, but He will carry you home and He will set you at His table. Can I tell you, He never drops those that He calls. He never drops them. I I was thinking this week and I was so excited about the fact that we've had three weeks of camp. we watched these kids come from from senior teen and then kids camp and then this week was junior teen camp and I'm hearing stories as kids come back on the grounds and they're sharing, man, God spoke this to me or God did this and and spoke into my life in the last two weeks. That youth group, they've had kids get up and just share what God's been doing in their lives. And can I just tell you right now, youth group, break line, kid rush, those things are so important. Why? Because there's been a generation that has been dropped. We have a generation that's been dropped. The adults in their life have stopped being adults. This culture has stopped speaking truth and started just tickling ears and so we're dropping a generation I can't even imagine being raised in this time hearing the things that are being said and that right is wrong and wrong is right and there is no truth and all of those things our kids are inundated with stuff and a generation is getting dropped but I'm so grateful that there's a king I'm so grateful that there's a king and he sees them and he loves them and he wants them and he wants them to understand how much he cares about them. That's the king that we serve. And he says, I understand you got dropped. I understand that you went to exile. I understand all of that. But what you need to understand is that because of someone else, because of Jonathan, because of Jesus, There's a space for you at this table. You no longer have to live in exile. It says that Mephibosheth moved to Jerusalem. Why? So he could eat at the king's table on a regular basis. He changed his address. He didn't have to live in Lodabar anymore. I love that. Because for many of you, what you need to understand is God is telling you, change your address you no longer are defined by what you got dropped. You're no longer going to have to live with this understanding that you're less than because you're not. I I, I can't help but think that probably Mephibosheth spent a lot of time begging in Lodabar. Because when you were crippled in that day and age, that was the only thing you could do. We know that he didn't have the resources from his dad and from his grandpa. So he probably was the guy who would get help out onto the street and he would sit and he would just beg as people would walk by. Just a little something. Just get me through the day. Just help me to make it to tomorrow. That's all I need right now. Just enough to make it to tomorrow. And all of a sudden, somebody shows up and says, hey, the king wants you. Can you imagine that moment? Here's a guy who, his whole life, he just thought, man, if I can just survive, and if I can just get to tomorrow, that'll be a win. And now all of a sudden, the king calls him to his court. Now, I'm sure he was afraid in that moment because he'd have no idea what was about to take place. But when the king calls you to his table, he has you covered. Mephibosheth felt completely unworthy, but yet the king sent for him. And some of you need to understand that the king sees you. He loves you. And you got dropped, and I understand that. And some of you may have to walk with a little bit of a limp because you got dropped. but you still are walking to the king's table. And he has a seat for you. He said, you don't have to worry about food anymore. You don't have to worry about shelter anymore. You don't have to worry. He said, I see you. I see you. Some of you sit in the room or are listening to this and you have a limp of previous addiction and Some of you have a limp of family disruption. A limp of the mistakes that you've made. A limp of being separated from people that you love. Whatever in your life makes you feel crippled, he still set a place at the table for you. I love this story. It's such a picture of God and us. Because we're all crippled. In one way or another, we're all crippled. Some of us look at more than others, but we all have things that we struggle with. We all have sin that we would have no chance if it wasn't for his grace. But yet he calls us to the table. So what's the struggle? The struggle is this, believe in it. See, the invite is always there. He always is inviting you. But sometimes we go, no, no, no. It must be a mistake. Why would God want me? No, no. I've been hurt. I've been broken. I've been abused. I've been whatever. And so, no, it can't be for me. That's got to be for everybody else. Everybody else who's normal. Can I tell you there's no normal? There's messed up and more messed up. Choice A and choice B. And he sees us all, and he loves us all. And he's always calling, come to the table. Come to the table. I have a place for you. You know what I hate seeing more than anything else? And I love when I get the opportunity to speak to young women, especially who are, who are single and looking. I love being able to tell them, don't forget that you're a child of the Most High King that you have a seat at his table. Because what I'm tired of seeing is people who are called by his name looking for scraps under the table. When he's served a feast to you and he's already said, I've got a seat, it's right here. Come and sit, come and partake. I know that some of you today feel as though you have been dropped and maybe that's defined you. You've allowed it to define you. Today is your day to say no more. Yeah, I got dropped, but the king is calling me, and the king sees me, and the king is restoring me. I love that, he restored all of that to him. Mephibosheth probably didn't even know what he was getting restored. He was like, I don't even know what he had. Nobody ever told me. All I knew is I sit out at the gate, and I wait and hope I can get a few coins every day. And now David says, everything that was your grandfather's is now yours. All the lands that were theirs, the cattle that was his, all of that is all being restored to you. What you need to hear is, yeah, you got dropped, but God is in the restoration business. And he's ready to restore you. Don't believe the lie. You're valuable. You're worthy because he made you worthy. I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes with me for the next few moments. I wonder how many that are in the room, especially right now, that if you were honest, you would just say, you know, Jason, I... I've made a lot of mistakes. I've done a lot of stupid stuff. And I, I, I this whole believing in Jesus thing is tough for me because I don't see how he could actually love me. Or maybe you just have come into the room today and you're hearing this for the first time that God does love you. And that he's inviting you. He wants you. He wants relationship with you. I got to stand in this room last night as a gentleman came in and he was surprised. He was like, Oh, I had no idea this was here. And started talking and he goes, Oh, I said, well, You should come to church. And he said, he said, Oh, yeah, I'm not for religion. And I chuckled. I said, Me either. And I began to explain to him that it's not about religion, it's about relationship with Jesus. See, the King of Kings loves you so much. That not only did he say, I want to set a table, but he sent Jesus to come and get you. So if you're in this place today and you'd be honest and say, you know, I don't have a right relationship with Jesus Christ right now, but I want one. Would you do me a favor? No one else is looking around right now. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand because I want to pray with you before we leave today. Okay, buddy, I see you. Yeah, I see you guys there anybody else in the room that would just say, Jason, would you remember me in this closing prayer? I just want to make sure that our relationship is right with God. I see you back there. I see you, brother. Thank you for your honesty. I want to take one more moment. Is there anybody else that would just say, Jason, rem- remember me in this closing prayer? I want to make my relationship right with God. See, he's calling you right now. See, and I have a place for you. And it doesn't matter what's happened to you in your past because I'm calling you right where you are. I'm calling you out of Lodabar. It's time for you to get out of a place where there is nothing good. And I'm calling you to the, to the palace. I have good things for you. Is there anybody else that would just say, Jason, I need to, I need to, I need to come forward. Yeah, thanks, bud. One more moment. Yeah. Yeah. Your honesty. Tonight, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I'm going to ask everybody in the room, whether you raised your hand or you didn't, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me. And it's simple. As you say it, it sounds really simple. But what's happening right now is is the king is calling you, and this is your response. I'm saying yes, I'm coming, I'm believing, I'm taking you at your word, that you love me so much that you sent your only son to die on a cross for me, so that my sin is paid for, so that my stuff is taken care of, so that I can have access to you. So that's what we're doing in this moment right now. So I'm gonna ask everybody, if you'll just repeat this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your grace thank you that you are merciful towards me God I thank you that you love me more than I could imagine and I believe you that you're calling me to you so forgive me of my sin I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and I'm going to follow him from this day forward In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you just accepted the invitation to the table. He's taking care of you now. He loves you. You went from being an enemy of God to being a child of God. That's amazing. Let's give them a round of applause. We're going to close with just a little bit more worship. And as we do that, if you raised your hand or if you prayed that prayer and you know you meant it, can I just tell you, just take a moment to thank him. Thank him for how much he loves you, how much he's been pursuing you. The fact that you were in this room today and God spoke to you this evening. He loves you more than you can imagine. God, we're so grateful. Lord, we worship you tonight. And we're excited to see what you're doing in the hearts and the minds of people. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand as we sing? Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at ROLMT.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at ROLMT.com. Thanks.